Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. And today's a really important show, and I would ask you to sit down, relax, and just take in everything I'm about to say because this is very important for you and your future. And share it with a family and your friend. You know, anytime anyone starts to give a, a really important speech or a really serious show or something, one of the pieces of advice is they always say is, well, you, you start doing a joke, huh? So I said, you know what? Because this is going to be a bit of a heavy show. There's going to be a lot of content in it for you and to plan your future. I'm going to start with a joke, and it's apt for what we're going to talk about today. And it's a Ronald Reagan joke when he's talking about the Soviet era. And this might touch close to the bone for some people out there who are buying stuff right now, but... You know, he was talking about how the, the great Soviet people always had a great sense of humor. And back then in the 1980s, if you wanted to buy anything or buy a car, the only way you could legally buy a car was you would have to have all the money up front and then you would go and buy a car and there would be a 10-year wait. And Reagan always told this great joke where the guy, this guy saved up all his money and went to the, the car dealership and said, I want to buy my car. And he went through all the, the paperwork and he said, that's great. You're all signed up. And he says, you come back this day in 10 years time and we'll have your car for you. And the guy responds to him, morning or afternoon. And of course, the, the Russian salesperson thinks, you know, it's 10 years from now. What difference does it make? And the guy responds, the plumber's coming in the afternoon. So that was kind of a, you know, a close joke about how, you know, you always have to wait for stuff. And if you see the world today, a lot of people are waiting for stuff because the economy is not in a good shape. But I want to talk to you today about issues that affect you, uh, issues that are very close to home. But also, I want to do today's show in the sense that I want you to get something for it and use what I say to you that's apt for your life today to plan your future. Because we are in the middle of an economic storm. Actually, I don't think we're at the middle. Sorry, I think we're at the start. And you're starting to see it. If you look around at the world's a lot of economic problems. A lot of businesses are closing down. A lot of businesses are hurting. A lot of people can't find workers. A lot of people don't want to work. Governments are spending the largest amounts of money. You're starting to see a lot of issues. If we're going to solve this, it's absolutely critical. We scrap the left, right, and Republicans and Democrats talking points, and we actually start having conversations with people and confronting the rhetoric that comes from the hard left. Now, I grew up in a socialist country. I want to share the first economic lesson I ever learned, and it's absolutely critical you understand this and the impacts of this economic lesson. When I was growing up, the first economic lesson was taught to me by the way you do business. And when I was growing up, it didn't really mean anything to me because I just didn't know any better. But when I understood free market economics, and now I'm an advocate for free market economics, this economic lesson should terrify you because this is the future of America. This is the future of America, and it's probably already there in certain parts. That economic lesson is, it's not what you know, it's who you know. That is absolutely critical to understand. You can have the greatest product. If you don't know the right people, or you don't have the right contacts, or the right political maneuvers in your arsenal, doesn't matter. You won't be successful. It's absolutely critical you have relationships in power. What you need to understand is in a socialist country or in a European type system, there is a class system that you generally have people on the law of averages climbing societal ladders at the same ages. So what you will have is you'll have upper class people. And I'm using the terms of the day that you'll understand. The, the rich 
the bourgeoisie, if you want to use the Marxist term, the people who grew up together, who who went to the ultra public or ultra private schools, you know, the, the high fee schools, and they all grew up and they're all supposed to be high achievers because they're better than us. And they grow up and they'd be from all these different families. And then as they went on their different journeys, some will become doctors, some will become lawyers, some will become businessmen, some will become politicians. But you all knew each other. And if you needed a favor, guess what? You knew the right people to contact because of who you grew up or who you went to school with or what your last family name is. That you have that system. You know the right people. Now, why would I start a show talking about this policy? This trivial little policy that, yeah, yeah, that's what you grew up with in Ireland in the 1980s, 1990s. That's so far removed from today, is it? Look at the system that you have today of cronyism in your country. If you don't know the right people, or if you don't kiss the ring of certain politicians, or don't make the right political donation, do you really think you're getting your permits approved? Or maybe you still get them approved, but they take a long time. Or maybe your tax exempt status, if you're a 501c3, if you happen to be a Tea Party organization, oh, gee, we just got to really inspect you. Or maybe it's just a case of you actually go through all the hoops and get all your paperwork, but you get audited four or five years. You know the right people. That generally doesn't happen. Just think of the powerful elite in your country. Do you think that happens to them? Do you think the likes of Nancy Pelosi and different people get you know, or businesses around connected Nancy Pelosi get audited? And if they do, do they get audited a lot? Just think about that. It's all about understanding the game. Now, why is this important to understanding how we build and what I want to talk to you about today? Because we are in an economy, whether we like it or not, whether we love it or hate it, the reality is our economy is changing. It is fundamentally changing. It has been on this path for a long time. We have gone from bricks and mortar stores to shopping online. We have gone from, you know, you know constant um, interaction with people to more computerized reaction, interactions or more meetings online. It was always going that way. But COVID stepped in and basically put that thing on drugs, on steroids. It's, it was going like 10 miles an hour. It's now going 100 miles an hour. Just think of the little things that you do on a daily basis. You know, like even something simple like going to McDonald's. The old days, you'd have to go to McDonald's. And when I say the old days, I'm talking maybe two, three years ago. Oh, back when I was a kid, two, three years ago. You had to go to the counter and go, I want to, I don't know, what do you order in McDonald's? A Big Mac with fries? I'd always order like a strawberry milkshake. It's the only thing I really like out of McDonald's. But, you know, Big Mac with fries or whatever, quarter pound or whatever burgers, chicken nuggets, and you'd have to pay. Now you don't. You don't touch a, a kiosk that's, you know, computerized. Their economy is changing. A lot of people are going out of business. Likewise, back when back when I was a kid, and even sort of young, younger people, maybe in their 20s still had this, you know, the Saturday thing to do was to go shopping to the mall or to town or to like a, you know, big shopping center, wherever it was. And, you know, you necessarily wouldn't buy anything, but you just go look. You go look at the new Nike shoes. You go look at the bookstore. Oh, I wonder what books are coming out. No, you don't have to. You can do it from the comfort of your own home on your on your iPad or your whatever smartphone you have. Oh, that new book is on. I'll go to Amazon. And I get it within 24 hours or 48 hours, depending on where you live. Our economy is changing. We need to understand that how we're going to get out of all these problems is we need innovation. We need creativity. We need wealth creation. Yes, I'm not afraid to say it. To get out of the problem we have right now, where governments are bloated with debt, where spending is out of control, we need a massive new inflation or influx of wealth creation. So why did I start with that story? Just think about that story for a minute. It's not what you know, it's who you know. What is the impact on that, on society? Well, if you come from the poorest part of society, and you understand this economic lesson, you know you're pretty much doomed to fail right before you start. So why bother? I don't have the right political context. It's not about merit. It's not about, hey, I have this great innovation. I have this great product. I have this great service. It's going to change the world. I'm going to cure cancer. I, have, I don't know. Depending on what it is, it's great. It's going to change the world. 
doesn't matter. You came from the wrong part of society. You don't know the right people. This impact hurts people. And then it gets trot through the generations. Oh, well, we only come from the right part, wrong part of society. We can never amount to anything. How many times do you see these shows where the reality TV stars or they go on to like Dragon's Den or what the, the American version was, a Shark Tank? Or they go on to these shows like MasterChef and they oh, I never thought I could amount to it. I come from this part of town. I, I come from this area. You know, this is a big dream for me. You see this with footballers as well. I never thought I could amount to anything. I have more money than I ever thought, but I never thought because I came from the wrong part of town. I came from the wrong family. I came from the wrong school. How many times do you see this in the draft? Oh, you don't, you're, oh, you come from that school? Oh, I don't know about you now. You come from South Cal? Oh, absolutely. You're, you're, you're going to be a great pitcher. It's all about the school. This understanding that it's not what you know, it's who you know. You have to come from the right background. The idea of America that was based around the free market was that doesn't matter. We need to start scrapping all these barriers. It doesn't matter who you know. If you know people, great. Then maybe they can sponsor or endorse your product, advertise your product, share it on, you know, be an influencer on social media. Great. Awesome. Go for it. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you come from. You can change the world. That idea of America, Emma Lazarus' poem, Give me your tired, your weak, and your huddled masses yearning to be free. That is so powerful. We need to get back to that. We need to get back to a society where it is based on merit. That it is, if you have the best product, you're going to win. It doesn't matter who you're against. But then going on to understanding this philosophy, who does it benefit? It benefits the rich. It benefits the powerful. It benefits the elite. Is that a type of society you want to live in? Or do you want to live in something better? Principle two to understand. One of the things that you will hear if you listen to our friends on the left, and sometimes our friends on the right repeat the same principle, and it is true, but you need to understand why it's true. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. How many times do you hear that been spoken about, especially when it comes to election season? And then you'll hear some politician, and it can happen on left and right, well, what we're going to do is we're going to make society fair. And they'll leash their grandiose plans. Oh, we're going to do this to society. And we're all going to make it fairer. You have this part of where Republicans and Democrats, even conservatives now talk about this when it comes to election cycles, that the, the, the solution to America's problems or the, the key to America's success, it, it's always phrased different ways, but it all boils down to the same principle is, you know, a strong, vibrant, growing middle class. Apparently that's the success. It's all about where you come from. But how many, time, how many people can actually make the case of, yes, the rich get richer, but the poor are also getting richer? Look at every statistic you look at in society. Just look around at what the poor people have today and compare it to poor people 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Now, I'm not saying it's fun to be poor. It sucks. And people should be encouraged and motivated to get out of that society and to empower themselves. But you look around at what we have today. You look at what a poor person used to earn. And this is in America. This is around the world. You know, the amount of people who, if you, if you Google, if you want to do some of your own research, Google the chart of how many people historically lived on a dollar a day. And look at that. Because if you listen to the rhetoric from people, you'd swear that chart was going up. It's going down and rapidly. It's been making major decreases since, I think, 1970s, which is fantastic. This is a good thing. How does that happen? You see, the thing that everyone wants to talk about is the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. So what we need to do is we need government to step in and I'm going to spend this amount of money or I'm going to have this plan and it's going to fix it. It won't. 
It won't because you never address the actual elephant in the room. So why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Let me give you two examples for you to understand. Because it's basically a foundational basic first principle. There's a reason the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But before I tell you the actual basic principle, let me give you the examples. Look around at all these shows. Look around at, you know, imagine the average person. And you said, you know what? Guess what? You're going to win the lottery. And I'm going to give you, let's say you win this stupid, is I think it's Ohio's come up with this stupid lottery where they're going to give like a million bucks to someone every Tuesday, every second Tuesday, if they have the COVID vaccine, they're going to literally draw people from a hat, apparently. It's not going to be a hat because it's going to be a big hat, but, you know, it's basically a million bucks just to everyone to, if, you get, if you get picked. And I guarantee you it'll be totally legit. It won't be corrupt at all. It, it, I guarantee you there's as much chance if you're a Republican in that state as winning that million bucks as if you're a Democrat. But that's a side point. Can you imagine that person? Imagine you've won that Stuart lottery and you get a million bucks. Think of what the average person is going to do. They're going to do some stuff, fun stuff, right? A million bucks, happy days, vacation. I may even go to, to Paris and have some baguettes and butter and some pâté on. I might have some French wine. Oh, yes. I might even pay John to go get a get a, an accent lesson so he can actually do a French accent. You know, you'd have some fun. You, you know, you might go to Disney World. You might, you know, pay off some debts. You know, you might buy a new car. You might do a lot of things. Might go on, you know, I don't know, redo your house. A lot of cool things. Imagine many people won't have a, they'd have a list of things to do. You know, me, I want to go to Yankee Stadium. There you go. Happy days. I want to go do X, Y, and Z. I want to go see certain places. I want to go see, explore. Think of what you would do with a million bucks. Okay, that's one thing. Second real life example. This actually happened. The NFL had its draft a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago. Its first One of its first round picks, Trevor Lawrence, got a big signing bonus. What did he do with it? Did he go, happy days, I'm a first NFL round, first round draft pick. That's a lot of money I'm going to get. I'm going to have some fun. I'm a kid. I'm going to go blow it. I'm going to have a party. Did you do that? No. He got his whole bonus in cryptocurrency. The principle that you need to understand about why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer is an economic basic first principle. There are two types of people out there and two types of money out there. There's the person who will work for money and there's the type of person who will put its money to work for them. What does that mean? Well, you work for your money. You go wearing your paycheck, you work nine to five, you work at the local diner, you work as a waitress or, you know, you work as a doctor, it doesn't matter. You basically live and you have a nice life and, you know, you go every Friday night and have some beers. You go to the cinema every week, you know, see the new release. I hear the new Bob Odenkirk movie is fantastic. Can't wait to see it. You know, you have a large popcorn and a large drink. You go to the local bar, have a few beers, see a lot of friends. When wrestling comes into town, you go watch the wrestling. You go to sports, you know, go whatever, see your favorite sports team is. You have a great life. It's really, really enjoyable. But you're, you're working for your money. You're working to live. You got to pay your bills and you got to have fun. That's principle one. Or you can make your money work for you, which is what the rich do. Think of that million dollars. Think of Warren Buffett standing in front of you. Congratulations, Warren. You just won the, the COVID lottery. You got a million bucks. What do you think Warren Buffett's going to do with it? You think he's going to Disney World? You think he's going to have some fun? He might use some of it for fun. Sure, he might, you know, he might uh, have a, you know, a, a, a five-car caviar and, you know, truffle dinner. Sure. But, uh, I guarantee you a large chunk of that money is going to Berkshire Hathaway and he's going to invest it in stocks and shares. Why? Because he makes his money work for him. We need to start breaking down these principles for people and explaining it to people. But also understanding that it doesn't matter what anyone else earns. This fascination about how what other people earn is incredibly... I just don't get it. Maybe I'm just naive. If you get a job and you want to earn a lot of money, go for it. But it doesn't matter what other people pay earn. You know, this idea of my lifestyle and I earn a certain amount of money 
and I do certain things. The idea that what LeBron James earns, all he earns X amount of millions last year. Cool, good for LeBron. Don't like LeBron, but good for him. Or, you know, my fellow Irishman who got, you know, he's an idiot, but he got, he's the head of Forbes list of athletes money last year. Yeah, Conor McGregor. He, he was the top paid athlete in 2020. Good for him. Why does that affect me? This constant berating of people. Well, you know, Lee Connor's only a cage fighter. Why, why should he earn more than me? Uh, because there's a mar- massive amount more money in cage fighting than what I do. Plus, he's got a big name. He's got reputation. He's worked hard for it. But this understanding that why tear people down? We need to understand that get the rich getting richer is a good thing. Because what happens when the rich get richer? They generally create jobs directly or indirectly. You know, if, if Warren Buffett creates more money, more people get hired at Berkshire Hathaway, which directly creates jobs. But also because of what Warren Buffett does, he'll invest in the stock market. He will raise all ships. This idea of understanding that that's bad. I've always used this example. But everyone, every action in this economy is good. It helps people. There is no bad action in the society unless it's like cronyism of uh, getting politicians to pass a law that's favorable to you. You know, even if you take the most extravagance, extravagance purchase that you can imagine, a private jet, a private yacht, um, you know, a Ferrari, whatever car is in your life, that someone shouldn't have that much wealth. Well, when they buy it, all the jobs they're helping support, the dealership, the salesperson, the service person, the, the receptionist there, the person whose land they rent from, the light and electricity that goes into there. But also, look at a boat. A boat just doesn't come out in one piece. It takes a lot of assembly together. All the jobs in there. This understanding of hating people because they have a private yacht. Imagine something, just something simple like the letter that goes on a chair. Imagine that's your job. You make letter and, and bind letter and shape letter to fit around the chair. That's what you do all day. Is there some part of your job that's good and noble if you're shaping letter to fit a chair that sits the average person like me and you that we're sitting on? Compared to a letter chair, shaping that letter that goes on a chair that fits in a million, multi, multi-million pound job. What's the difference? We need to understand that all these create jobs. And then those people, because they have jobs, therefore have an income. And then they go spend money because they have an income. They might go, go out and buy food, which then creates jobs because there's a waiter to serve them the food. There's a chef to prepare it for. You get the picture? We need to stop tearing people down. We need to understand that we need a system where rich get richer, but also can get poorer, and the poorer can get richer or poorer. Because it's not based around anybody but who you know. It's not based around your political influence. It's based around the free market. It's based around whether you want to buy their, their product or service or not. If you're happy, if you have a product that's 10 bucks and you're happy to pay 10 bucks for it, then you have a grace. Or if you want to pay 12 bucks for it, you pay 12 bucks for it. But maybe you have a product that's only 10 bucks and it's only worth six and that's all you're willing to pay for it. That person should go out of business. Doesn't matter how rich or poor they are or who they don't know. It's about understanding that the ultimate power when you have free markets is you, the individual. We need to start breaking these cases down for people to share with people to understand that it's not against rich versus poor. We need to start changing the dichotomy of the debate. It isn't rich versus poor, it isn't left versus right, it isn't liberal versus conservative. It is those who have extra power in society because they know the right people versus those of us who don't know the right people or don't come from the right backgrounds and don't have that power. The answer to that is not some new government program. It's not some politician getting elected on populism going, I'll be your hero to fight for you. No, it's explaining why the problem is those who have power and ensuring that they don't have it any longer that we have the power, that we are sovereign individuals, that we are unique, that I am the master of my ship. I am in control of my fate, not anyone else, not Republicans, not Democrats, not Donald Trump, and not Joe Biden.
So that's the groundwork for today's show. Now I want to talk to you about very individual principles and two horrific policies that are starting to come to the fore that are passing in Europe and, and they're been suggested by your wonderful Sleepy Joe president. But I want to talk to you about, make this very much about you and on an individual level, not as a, as a collective or as an economy. One of the things that we need to explain to people about their careers and about life and about savings, and it's an economic principle, it's called compound interest. That where you have invest a certain amount of money, that you keep investing an amount of money and you keep earning interest on it. I want to give you an analogy that I think is pretty apt for this because it's really important that we're, we're actually seeing a problem in society with workers not going back to work right now. Imagine driving a car. You know, if you want to go 60 miles an hour in a car, right? Or 55, I think is the speed limit in America. So let's say 55. And you want to get there real quick. You know, you want to go zero to 55 in you know, a few seconds. You've got to understand that there's steps. You know, you first got to open up the car. You got to get in. You got to put the keys in ignition. You got to put your safety belt on. And you got to switch the car on. You got to put the car into first. And then you put the, you know, you bring the car to the boiling point and you're going. Every part of those steps gets interest because you've already done them. You're kind of earning for what you've done. And then as you put the car in second gear and you start releasing the clutch out to the biting points, I know this is more of a European term because you guys drive automatics, but, you know, to get the car to go fast, you, know, you pull out, you get the biting point, and then you, you get a big jolt of energy. And then you do the same in third gear, fourth gear, fifth gear, and some cars, sixth gear. You, you know, get up there real fast. You're getting interest on stuff that you've already done. You're getting to your destination quicker. But there's a process involved. You know, you just don't go 55 miles an hour or 60 miles an hour. You got to put the, without putting the keys in the car first, without opening the door, without putting on your safety belt, you know, without getting into first gear. There's constant steps. And if you take one of those steps out, it's, it's problematic. What do you do? The whole thing can stop. So why did I use this analogy? Well, one of the things we're starting to see because of COVID and because of government stupidity on, hey, I see a problem in society. Let me fix it. And what does government always do? Government has a long track record, whether you're an American, Irish, Australian, whatever it is, really making a problem 10 times worse. And what that problem is, is people don't want to go back to work. People cannot, there's a labor shortage in large parts of the country. There's labor shortages in America. There's labor shortages in England. There's story after story of this coming out. As Ireland opens up, you're probably going to see the same thing. Why is this? Because they shut down the economy for X amount of period of time. Earned, a lot of people earned fairly decent money, especially the people at the lowest part of society for doing nothing. And now that things are starting to open up, you got to go back to work. Now, let's give them the benefit of the doubt because everyone automatically go, oh, well, that's, you know, they're poor, they're lazy, they're bombs, whatever it is. I think there's a large part of it is a lot of people are so frightened because they literally see constant fear being peddled by Fauci, by Biden. There is no incentive to go get vaccines and get back to normal. You know, the, like the State of the Union was in your country, what, a week ago, two weeks ago? And you had this whole, you know, theater where, oh, my God, you know, we're all hugging and kissing when the cameras are off and you're all not, not social distance. And the minute the cameras come on for the people, you can't have the auditorium far, not the auditorium, the chamber full. You all got to wear masks. You can't sit beside each other. You know, all this theater you're wearing, you're, it's just bonkers. And people are bought into this. If you tell people to be afraid and they believe it, it's very hard for them to go, oh, okay, but I'm not afraid anymore. I see this all the time. I have so many people I talk to where, and especially for older people, it's criminal what they have done. What they've done is they're, they're just, they don't want to go back to life. I have a friend of mine who, who um, her boyfriend's parents, like one of them is 86, won't go on a cruise. They always run a cruise, won't go on a cruise anymore, won't risk it. I have other people who used to always go to the pub. They're like in their 70s, like, oh, I'd never go back to the pub. It's too dangerous. But you've been vaccinated, I know, but just wouldn't do it. And you're like, life is for living. That's a side point. But why am I sharing this with the economy? A lot of people are not going back to work. How do you get to be richer? How do you get to be more successful? It is a journey like that car. You, you put the keys in the car. You open the door. You get in. You put the keys in the ignition. Put your safety belt on. 
turn the car on, put it in first gear, and you go through the gears. The same with the economy. Same with your career. You don't just all of a sudden go, let's say you have a dream job of being, I don't know, a, a doctor. You know, the top neurosurgeon or top surgeon or top, you know, dead, you know, Anthony Fauci, whatever his job is. You don't just go and go, hey, I graduated college, baby, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be the top dog. Doesn't happen. You got to go through med school. You got to go through, you know, your internship. You got to go through, you know, working yourself up on a team. Then you become the head of a team. Then you become head of a bigger team. It's constant process. And you have that compound interest building up in your society, you know, in your career. But what we have done to younger people, especially, is we've taken a year out of their lives in a lot of cases where they've literally, through no fault of their own, through doing nothing wrong, where they were learning valuable skills. They were learning how to turn up on time. They were learning responsibilities. They were learning their job. Even if it's the most menial job that you think, you always learn principles. Even if it's like, I don't know, think of the lowest job in society in your eyes. I'm not going to put in you know, any thoughts in your mind, but think of that job. You learn responsibility. You learn how to be on time. You learn how to be accountable to your boss. Even if your boss is a jerk, you learn to be, hey, I have this job to do and I have X amount of time to do it. You learn all this understanding. You learn the understanding of how great it is to get a paycheck on a Friday. Oh, happy days. I've got 350 bucks or 400 bucks or whatever it is that you earn. And you learn all these skills. And then guess what? You get better. Well, to younger people who are learning all these valuable skills or maybe starting to go up on the career ladder, we now have basically said, you know what? You're out. And what's going to happen? Because businesses are now going to start closing. Let me give you a prime example of this hospitality. Imagine you were growing up and you want to be, I want to be master chef. I want to be Gordon Ramsay or Marco Pierre Weiss. Well, now for the last year, you've done very little cooking. You might be cooking at home for your, you know, your flatmates or your family, but you're not like, you know, five, three star, Michelin star type of cooking. Well, now guess what's going to happen? Because the economy is going through a bad time post-COVID and it's coming, a lot of restaurants are going to shut down. How do you learn? How do you advance in your trade? You're basically taking a chunk of time out of people's lives. This is going to hurt people. This is going to hurt the poorest in society because this is the thing that you need to understand. All these policies, even though they might have the most grandiose visions of we're going to save people, are only actually hurting the poorest people in society. It's hurting everyone, but usually it's the poorest in society that hurt the most. You know, the mom and pop stores, the people who want to work, the people who want to grow and make a better life for themselves. The big businesses have all usually, to a certain degree, stayed open. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Remember what I said to you at the start of the show? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Amazing Amazon. Amazon has been great because of COVID. Mom and pop stores, not so much. Walmart's been great during COVID. That mom and pop store, not so much. It's almost like... What, it's, what I said is true. It's not what you know. It's who you know. But here's where I want to talk to you about understanding policies. And this is why I wanted to talk to you about taxation this week. The problem that you have when you have what they call a progressive tax code is, again, it hurts people poorest in society. Let's again imagine you're, you grew up in the wrong part of town with the wrong family, you didn't go to go to college, you know, all the things that would say you're quote unquote disadvantaged. And you're like, no, that's where I came from, but I'm getting out of here. I am making a better life for myself. And you go through all the systems and you work hard and you do your overtime. The problem with that is how do you start building a life for yourself to, you know, to really make a better future? Well, as I said in the last segment, it's understanding why rich people get richer. You want to make a system where you're not just working for money. You want to get your money start working for you. So you start investing in yourself. But here's the problem with a progressive income tax. Because let's say you start off at minimum wage. You know, you're, you're 14, 15 years old and you want, I'm getting out of this place. I cannot live this life. I cannot live the life my parents lived. I want to have a better tomorrow. So you start at 14 and 15 and you're on minimum wage. You're working down in the local mom and pop store or you're working at a burger joint, whatever it is you're earning. And then you start going through the system and you start getting better and better jobs. And then you turn 18 and you're really hard working. Well, with a progressive income tax, what happens is the more money you earn, 
i.e. the more hardworking you are, the more responsibilities you get, the more overtime you work, because that's how you get more money from jobs. Employers aren't just sitting around going, oh, you flip burgers, you've been flipping burgers there for three years, I'm going to give you a rise. It doesn't work that way. It's usually the person who goes, hey, I flip burgers, I'm going to do the best job I can, but I want to do more. I want to learn more responsibilities. I want to learn more about the business. I want to grow. I want to be better. Well, guess what happens? They earn more money. They pay more taxes. So it becomes harder and harder for them to actually get money working for them. And then depending on where you live and the system you live in, and this is apt in America as well, the more money you start earning, also what has starts to happen is you start going into higher tax brackets. Because we need a, a you know a progressive tax bracket system because we gotta punish those at the top. But ultimately, all that does is it makes it harder for people at the bottom to get their money working for them. But as you work through the system, let's say, let's follow that you know, career progression. The kid started at 14 and 15. He's now, let's say, 30 years of age or 35 years of age and is earning really good money. And he's at a point where he can live and actually have a chunk of money left over. And he's like, you know what? I've learned the lesson. John is right. I've got to get my money working for me. What happens? Well, he pays his income tax on anything he earns or she earns. And then they start investing in it. And guess what happens then? Instead of going, happy days, you have risen out of society. You've made a better life for yourself. You're now starting to invest. And let's say they made some money in investments. Well, guess what happens? Capital gains tax, baby. Double taxation starts kicking in. Yes, you paid your income tax. Yes, you paid all your, you know, your 401ks. Yes, you know, you paid your sales tax and everything you bought. But you know what? You see, we, we can't have a system where the rich get richer. We need a, a capital gains tax. So anything you wear, we're going to tax. And this is why, and this is where I want to make it about Joe Biden's policy. Joe Biden over the last hundred days has been busy with his surrogates and all his surrogates are, are proposing all these great policies. Well, one of the great income opportunities for poorer people that has happened this decade and last decade was cryptocurrency. Again, whether you like this or not, it doesn't matter. Your opinion on cryptocurrency is irrelevant. But a lot of people have made good money. They have made money work for them. Joe Biden is now built, wanting a plan in his taxation plan where if you earn over a million dollars in crypto, you'll be taxed at 39.6%. 39.6%. Now, here's the thing you need to understand, because this is what progressives do, and I've seen this firsthand in places like Ireland. They're always great at sales pitches. They're so good at the sales pitch. Because they'll say, like, well, this is only for everyone who earns over a million dollars. And then everyone kind of go, well, you know, they're millionaires and billionaires. Screw them. They're rich. They should pay their fair share. Because, hey, at the end of the day, I'm not going to earn a million dollars out of crypto. First off, how do you know? Imagine you were someone at the start of Bitcoin and you bought, like, Bitcoin was like a couple of bucks. And you bought, let's say, 10 Bitcoin. Actually, let's just say something outrageous, right? Imagine you invested $100 in Bitcoin when it was like a $10. And like you could pick lower figures, let's just say 10. You bought 10 Bitcoin at $10. You only invested $100. Today, that's worth $500,000. Just put that into context. Just let's put that into context. You have great income op earning opportunities. That's only 100 bucks. Imagine if you put 1,000. All of a sudden, that's $5 million. There were people who did that and have held out a long time, and are going to continue holding. But that type of income opportunity, it's life-changing. And Joe Biden wants to come and take 40%. How do you think that's going to do? What do you think that's going to do to people? It's going to disenfranchise people. It's going to hurt people. Because at every opportunity, all these plans, all these, you know, hey, we're going to make a system fairer, all it's doing is stacking the deck. All it's doing is building a system where it goes, you know what? You can never, ever get out of your situation because at every opportunity, we're going to take money from you. And you see, the thing that, that really upsets me about these policies is, and I'll use someone that everyone knows who listens to this show, Glenn Beck, and I'll compare him to myself because I'm the, the, the low-income person compared to Glenn Beck. 
Uh, Glenn Beck, if Glenn Beck all of a sudden has to pay a higher rate of tax, he can do it. He might like it. It might hurt the amount of jobs that Blaze creates going forward. It will hurt his business. But guess what? He can afford it. I can't. But all the way they sell these policies is through this class warfare where all oh, the, the rich, you see, it's Glenn Beck that's holding me down. Bull crap. Bull crap. What Glenn earns has nothing to do with me. Glenn could earn a billion dollars next year. It wouldn't impact me one bit. It's all about investing in ourselves. It's not a, we're not pitted against each other. But also you need to understand this system. This system is designed to hold people down. Because let's say, and I'll use me and Glenn Beck as an analogy again. Glenn is the, the founder and CEO of the place. Everyone knows whether you like it or hate it. Everyone knows the place. Let's say tomorrow, I went, you know what? I can do things better than Glenn. I'm going to set up, I don't know, JDTV. Right? And let's say I was in direct competition. I have to go through all the income. At every opportunity, I'd be put back because of my own personal income. I could never really compete with them. I would have all these disadvantages because, hey, guess what happens? Because you have all these inane tax codes. You have all these regulations. Glenn has a team of people working for the company that goes through all the regulations to ensure we are 100% legit. I would have to hire all those people. I can't afford it. I'm only a small company. I'm only a small person. And then anytime I start making money, guess what? If you raise our taxes, he can afford it. I can't. And then I go out of business. The system of America, the idea of America, and I understand you never quite achieved this, but the idea is there. It's time to start fulfilling that promise. Is It doesn't matter if I decide to compete with Glenn. It doesn't matter that he has a lot of money and I don't. All that matters is the product and services and how we deal with things, how we market things. Because that's what we need to start getting to that point. We need to start understanding that it's about the idea. It's about understanding that it doesn't matter where you come from. All that matters is the merit of your product and services. And are people willing to put her by their hard-earned money to pay for your product and service? It doesn't matter if you know the right people. It doesn't matter what your tax code is. It doesn't matter what, you know, how much income you have. It's all about the free market, the understanding. That's what we need to get to. We need to start building policies. And all these policies revolve in getting government out of the way to make sure that you have a fair system. Because every policy that you're seeing right now, and this 39.6% policy on cryptocurrency and on capital gains tax is going to be designed as class warfare. We're only doing it to protect the poorest in society. No, you're not. You're ensuring that the poorest in society can never compete with the likes of Glenn Beck. You're ensuring that the poorest in society can never compete with Warren Buffett. This affects most people who listen to this show. We need to start making the case of why this is a really, really horrible idea. If you want proof of what's going on in society right now and it's hurting people, we're starting to see inflation and we're starting to see shortage of products. I'll give you a small example that you can try out today. I went looking at a, because I'm doing a speaking tour on August 28, I, I'm looking at buying a new Apple iPad Pro because I want the one I have only is Wi-Fi. I want a Wi-Fi and cellular so I can find stuff easy and I can work no matter where I am. I, Apple this week or last week launched a new iPad Pro. It's been launched in the middle of May. And I went on and looked at different things and went on saying, how much is it? When can I get it? And different things. It's been launched the middle of May. If I bought one today, I'd pre-order it and it'd be launched the middle of May. I could get it the middle of July. Are you serious? You're launching a product in the middle of May and it's going to take two months to get to me. Why is this? Now, with Apple, what it is, is there's a, a chip in all the chips that are in the iPads. There's a chip shortage. This is going to cause a lot of problems, you know, for cars, because the amount of chips that are around the world and needed for all the world's products is incredible. I mean, and if you want to research that, you can. But also part of it is the labor. 
the amount of times, when are the shops going to open? Are they going to open at full capacity? We have major problems in society. But one of the things that I think is absolutely critical that we need to do is we need to understand that sometimes the rhetoric from both sides is really wrong. It's laid out the case for a lot of, the, of it today. But one of the things the right gets wrong in America all the time, and this is absolutely critical to understanding the Great Reset, is I'll get this question all the time. You know, Coke, there's been a lot of outrage about Coke over the last month. And this question has come up a lot. It's because I did a special on the Great Reset a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it's maybe six weeks ago now. And it's like, oh, Coke, oh my God, can you believe what they're doing? And different things. Coke seems to get a lot of outrage. I'm not sure why that is, but a lot of people message me about Coke. And they went, don't they get how lucky they are to be in America? Don't they guess how they should appreciate America more? The opportunities America is given. Why would they want this big government crap? Why are they always involved? Why do businesses not appreciate the free market? They, they'll never make money in a socialist system or in a, in, a, in a communism system if we ever get there. We need to understand that's not true. We need to break it down for people to explain. That's actually, you have to understand their business model. If you have a system where you have a free market, the sole bet understanding of your success or failure is your product or service. Now, obviously, there can be different things, how you advertise it. You know, if you've got production issues, what do you how you price it? But it all boils down to, do people want to buy your product or service? And do they want to buy it in enough of a, in a volume that makes you successful? It's all about people buying your product and services. Well, you see, even in communism, even in, in you know, taking place like, you know, Russia that's heavily communist or China, they still have rich people. It's not like you have communism and you have a system where there is no rich people. It's all equally poor and everyone's the same. No, you have the people who are poor, but you'll always have oligarchs. Why? Because they know the right person and they do the right things for the right person at the right time. Anytime they need support or they need a donation or they need to be quiet on certain issues, they do it and they get government contracts. They're, you know, in a country like Ireland or in Europe, it's all the same. You have big businesses getting involved with government because they know if they say it's the right thing and do the right thing, they get government contracts. If they do the wrong thing and say the wrong thing, guess what? They don't get government contracts and it hurts your business. It's all about what you know, not, or sorry, it's all about who you know and not what you know. So we need to understand why the Great Reset is so appealing for many people. Why this CRT training is so appealing for so many people. Why the Great Reset is such a danger. These ESG scores, which, by the way, have now become legal in Europe. Now, it's only gone through committee stage, but it's becoming legal. And they put in clauses in there, as they always do, because government is always great, is not only does your company have to be have an ESG score and a positive ESG score, but everyone you do business with also has to have it. This is how you silence people. This is what we have, and we need to start fighting this system as much as possible because this is not against rich versus poor. This is against the people who have power and the people who don't have power. And right now, you have all these businesses coming together with the Great Reset and having a system of control and breaking it down. And if you're a mom and pop store, would you really fight it? Are you brave enough? Knowing if you say the wrong thing, guess what? You don't get the contracts. And that contract could be the difference between survival and failing and going out of business and going bankrupt. But here's the thing that I wanted to talk to you about here. Taxation. So when you take, we've talked about the individual, but we also need to talk about as a country. There is a horrible policy out there, and it's been supported and endorsed by Joe Biden. But before I tell you that policy, I need to tell you why, how bad it is. But I'll give you an example of the opposite policy. You know, there are many reasons countries are, operate the way they do. And one of the things i got to give Ireland credit for, and this is politicians, the way you market a country. Ireland has done a really good job of marketing itself to, to Americans especially but to big multinational companies. It's done two things really well. 
and it's made it itself really uber attractive for foreign businesses to come in. One is the way they market themselves. We go, hey, you need an office in Europe. This is great. You can have an office in mainland Europe or in Europe, the European territory. You can be part of Europe. You can get all the benefits of the European travel and the European trade agreements. You get all those benefits, but you also have one additional benefit. You don't actually have to be in mainland Europe because they're like, uh, <laughs> it may be Egypt and it may white flag. And then you have the Germans and Heil Hitler and you have all these different things. You have all these different cultures. Guess what? We're Ireland. You're in Europe, but you're, you've got to see between you and actual Europe. Come to us. And the second policy, you have a system of a corporation tax of 12.5%. This is fantastic. It's been really beneficial to Ireland. It's allowed Ireland, these two policies have allowed a lot of countries, companies like Facebook, like Google, to have their European headquarters in Ireland. This has caused a lot of job creation to build their offices, to build the infrastructure around it, to their employees, because they employ a lot of people. It's great. But this has allowed Ireland to, while it's great on this policy, be absolutely horrible on a lot of other policies on big governments to give out big benefits. Why? Because you have all these multinationals hiring a lot of people and they pay income tax and they pay corporation tax and they pay all the other taxes. They're a big benefit for Ireland. Well, one of the policies and proposals that's going around right now is, well, do you know what we need? What we need to do is work together and come together as a world and see common sense. And what we need is a harmonization of corporation taxes all over the world. Really? This is what we need. This is going to hurt a lot of small countries, including mine. But also, it takes away the understanding of governments, where it should serve the people closest to you. You know, even if you, whether you believe in a constitutional republic, which is what you are, or you believe in a democracy, which is what I live in, and you allows you to have big government and socialism. The idea of a politician is they are elected to serve the people they represent. Now, obviously in America it's slightly different because you're not represented, you know, you're not elected to represent the people, you're elected to preserve, defend, and protect the constitution, not the people. That's a key difference between America and the rest of the world. But what you're doing right now is you're having all these big forces with the ESG, with the Great Resets, with Agenda 2030, with the UN, the IMF and the World Bank all coming together going, we need a harmonization. We need a one world tax policy because it's not right that a country decides for itself what its tax rate should be. It's up to us, the elite, the powerful, the bourgeoisie to control what you have in society right now. This is a policy that is really, really bad. And it will hurt so many people. Because at the end of the day, what one of the things that countries do, and Ireland did very successfully, is how do you what's your USP? What's your unique selling point? Hey, 12.5% corporation tax. If you don't have that anymore, what difference does it matter where you are? This will hurt and cause so many jobs. Because here's the thing. While I would disagree with the proposal of a global taxation rate, do you think there's any chance the global taxation rate is going to be 12.5% or really low? Or do you think it's going to be more like 33%, 40%? And what happens then? What happens when its global taxation rates are really high? Is that going to hurt the millionaires and billionaires? Oh, sure, Jeff Bezos might lose another million or two in taxes. Oh, boo-hoo. But if you have a globalization, harmonization, do you think that hurts Jeff Bezos or do you think it hurts the, power, the, the mom and pop store, the small business owner, the people who are trying to, you know, who wanted to get out of their past and build a better future for themselves by building a company? Do you think that's going to hurt them? More are the big people. You see, all these policies that you have been proposed right now are all aims at equity. Oh, we need a more equitable system. We need a fairer system. And it might sound great, and the propaganda sure sounds great at times. But guess what? When you actually see the impact, it always hurts the poorest in society. 
It always builds barriers to ensure that you never, ever get to Jeff Bezos' level. You never get to Mark Zuckerberg's level. You never, ever get to Glenn Beck's level. You never get to other levels. It's ensuring you have your level. You were born into this box and you stay in this box. This is what we are seeing right now. And we need to break things down. Not, hey, if you notice in my arguments today, I have very rarely used the words Republican, Democrat, or, you know, liberal or conservative. Yes, I've used the word Joe Biden because they're his proposals. But we need to break the, down the arguments and share with people. Because we need a wealth creation. We need people to innovate. We need people to get back to work. We need people to be have this unlimited ideas of, hey, this is how we can change and build a new world. And yes, some of you may be, on, and this is up for the left as well, you may be worried about climate change and you want to build a better Tesla. Go for it. Go innovate. Go create. You want to build a better product. You want to create renewable energies. Go for it. Once you're not doing, getting government money or government grants or government sponsorship, go for it. I encourage you. Go do it. Let the free market decide. But some of you might be, you know, wanting to build better things. That, you know, go back building old-fashioned cars or build a restaurant, whatever it is. We need wealth creation. We need to understand that the only way out of our problems right now, the only way we solve the debt, the only way we solve government problems is if we start winning arguments and getting government out of the way and letting people innovate. Because this is the truth. And I'll give you a prime example. And I know it's a really bad analogy. I openly admit it. But this week or last week, Elon Musk sent a rocket to them to space and brought it all the way back down. SpaceX. China launched a rocket and it came back down um, because their, their, the, the launcher went with it. And it caused a bit of an international controversy because for a period of time, we had no clue where it was going to land. And it could have caused a lot of devastation. The understanding of all of this boils down to one simple question. Who is going to out-innovate who? A government bureaucrat sitting behind the desk going, I think we need this as a society. Or an individual going, you know what? I think society needs this. I know society needs this. I can do it. I'm going to make it a reality. And then mark it. Because here's the thing, if that's the first question, the second question then comes this. If this person gets, both people get their idea wrong, what happens? When a bureaucrat gets something wrong, it causes taxpayers a lot of money. When a business gets something wrong, yes, it costs them money, and yes, it costs people their jobs, which is not fun, but the overall impact in society is very negligible. It doesn't really happen that much. People will hopefully, if you have a system, that people who lose their jobs go find another job. That's the way it works. The job for life is no longer, uh, you know, a thing you do in 2020. That's, it's not 1920 or 1960. So they're the questions we need to start asking people and start breaking things down. Because if we don't, and all these policies go through, and all these spending policies go through in your country, we are all screwed. The, the, there is not any economic sense that comes from this society that any leads anywhere good. When you spend massive amount of money, people don't go to work, inflation creeps in, you can't get products for three months. Guess what happens? We start eventually living in Soviet era, 1980. That doesn't end well. We need to stop these things and we need to start winning arguments. up today's show one last principle and this may be the most important principle that you need to understand and you can take it in your business life you can take it in your personal life you can take it in your political life whatever aspect of life it's apt for everywhere the fundamental difference between why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer sometimes all boils down to their attitude because when a rich person sees good times when times are good rich person makes money when times are bad Rich person makes money. 
poor people, when times are good, they make money. When times are bad, everything goes crap. And it, it all boils down to nothing. Why is that? Now, sometimes it's, as we spoke about, it's who they know. Sometimes it's because if they have a bigger, you know, sort of, you know, pot of wealth to, to, to lay back on. But also part of it, and this is the most important part, is mindset. We need to work on our mindset. And I say this as someone who has a lot of mental health issues in the past and has spoken about them. We need to work on our mindset and be more positive for the future. Because there's a, an economic principle and there's a saying, it's always in the stock markets and said, and even in crypto. When there's blood in the streets, you buy. When there's euphoria in the streets, you sell. What that principle is saying is when there's blood in the streets and everyone's like, oh my God, we're going crazy. Everything's going to die. The world's over. We're going to take, it's just give up. White flags everywhere. Guess what happens? There you go. Okay, great. Buying opportunities. Let's buy stuff. Let's go for it. There's no more it's competition. Everyone's like, sell, 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 sell. Okay, I'll be the person who buys it for me. This is how the Kennedys got rich. If you read, if you ever want to do some research, read how the Kennedys got rich initially. Stock market crash. They bought everything for pennies on the dollar. Everyone was like, sell, 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 sell. They went, buy, 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 buy. All of a sudden, then when things returned to normal after the depression ended, guess what happened? And things went back up and they made a lot of money because they sold stuff. That's, you know, that's a very short version of the Kennedys getting rich. Go research it if you're interested in it. But one of the things we need to do is mindset. And I say this in an economic terms. Everything I've spoken to you about over the last couple of weeks and months, the Great Reset, CRT, different aspects of life, the 1619 Project, all these things we've spoken about over the last couple of years, big government, cronyism. Yes, there's reasons to be really scared. There's reasons to be really worried about the future. Big government spending. You've spent a lot of money over the last couple of years. But one thing you have to understand is it's not time for white flags. It's not time to go, ah, America's done. America's over. Let's give up. We're done. You know, no points. You know, see ya. No. No, it's not the time for the white flags. Now is not the time to sell. Now is the time to buy. But also, I share this with you because it also is apt, and I want to talk to you just for a second about your mindset on America. I'm starting to see the same things that creeped in under Obama in the right mindset. We're over. It's done. Joe Biden's going to destroy us. He's, he's bringing us back to Jimmy Carter territory. That all may be true, but American idea is not over. We can overcome this. Is it going to be fun? No. Is it going to be painful? You betcha. Is it, is it gonna, are we going to look back in this period of time and go, gee, I'm glad I lived through this period of time? Depends on your mindset. The easy answer is no, it's not going to be fun and not something we'll ever look back on. But also, if you have the right mindset, it's a period of growth. It's a period of renewal. Because if you understand history, and let me give you this in just purely political terms, Jimmy Carter led to Ronald Reagan. Barack Obama, now this is for all my modern day friends who love Donald Trump, Barack Obama led to Donald Trump. You have to understand that, yes, times get bad, but it's only bad if you give up because that is when bad times really keep going. But if you actually start working and you start laying the groundwork and you start making these arguments that I'm going to give you over the next weeks and months and start sharing them with your friends and breaking things down, not in a political way, but in a principled way, we start making changes we start changing the world back. It's not hard to make a difference today. It's times are so bad that everyone is acting like an idiot, is acting like an a-hole. But it's so easy to be different. It's so easy to be unique. I had a conversation with a friend this week about a school board. I've actually had this conversation with three different people this week. And you know the positive thing about things, because the school board issue is a big one, about CRT, been taught in schools, critical race theories, and a lot of people are standing up and going crazy and saying, no. You know, this is really scary, but it's also a positive thing. If you want to run for your school board, you don't need hundreds of thousands of votes. You don't need lots of money. Chances are you need less than 500 people to vote for you. Now, that's also scary because that's how these lefties get in and control school boards. But if you want to start making changes, you got to get 200 votes, 300 votes, maybe 500 votes if you live in a really big area. That's doable. 
Go change the world. Go change your school board. That's maybe your job. Maybe your other job is to go be a sheriff or be a district attorney, whatever it is. And if you're going in politics, maybe go run for your state senate, your state house, or maybe you want to be involved in your church. It is so easy to change the world. We need to stop seeing problems and start seeing opportunities. Because if we start seeing opportunities, like the Kennedys did, where they saw opportunity when everyone else was going to sell, 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 they saw the opportunity to go buy, buy, buy. If we work hard, and again, this is not going to be fun. It's going to be tough. It's going to bring you to your knees. It's going to be very painful. But if we start seeing opportunities out there right now, we have the greatest opportunity for renewal, for regrowth, for rebuilding the American experiment from the ground. Yes, it's going to be hard, but we can do it. It's all up to your mindset. We need to start encouraging people. We can do this. Because this is only my opinion, but I believe it is fundamentally true. America is not dead. It is only dead when everyone gives up on it. Now is the time to fight, but not just fight like, hey, I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to yell and you're a dummy and you're a moron if you don't agree with me. No, making the case and fighting in a principled way, understanding why Martin Luther King won and Malcolm X lost and reaffirming and reapplying your founding principles. If we do that, we will turn this thing around because we see opportunities everywhere. I hope this show has given you plenty to think about. Please use these arguments and share them with your family and your friends. Bring them up in debates, discuss them, share them, because we will together be part of the great next great awakening. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.